The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burnt. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Wonderful. So, you know, this idea of um, this week particularly speaking on love and, and really a bit more specific God's love is um, very, very daunting. Kind of like, where do you start? Where do you stop? What do you, what do you say? What do you not say? Um, it's a little bit bigger, I think, God's love than a, a three-part sermon. So I've got a 72-part sermon ready for us all. So it'll be wonderful. Um, a little bit longer than 20 minutes, of course, to do to really embrace. But what isn't God's love? It even is, I was thinking about it as I was sort of writing, it's like, man, I don't even know if our language can, can communicate all that God's love is. And then you start thinking, and start, I was thinking about, yeah, and then love is so much more than something you can communicate. It's something that you can experience. You know, how many in the room have, have known or experienced God's love for you? Hands up. Okay, so keep them up, look around. Anyone happy to just to call out what that experience is, real briefly, just super brief, what does it look like? What's the experience? Look at us. Raw, brilliant. Real peace, yeah, so peace in a hard time or something, yep. Just kindness. Joy. Joy, yep. Kindness. Unconditional, kindness. Connection. Connection. Connection, yep. Provision. Changing the impossible. Wonderful. Assurance. Safety. Yep. And, sorry? Understanding. Right. Anyone else? This side, I want to experience a lot more than this side. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else over here? Transformation. Wonderful. Yeah. So we all have, we all have so many different experiences, and so uh, of God's love and what that looks like. You know, and I was thinking too of, of little things. Like for me, I've experienced God's love in a two and a half kg Scottish Terrier puppy named Augustine. I haven't so much experienced it at five in the morning when he screams his head off, but I need to go out as well. But, um, you know, like, it's all that. There's so, it's so lovely. God is so generous and so gracious to communicate his love for us. And we have, we have so many of those things to do. And so, that's kind of where I was going with all this as the week went on. And I even wrote, you know, disclaimer, no service, no service or sermon could ever do God's love justice. And I, I literally wrote the word justice and really felt like, um, which has been really cool, a personal experience for me, is this Advent series has been so, for me personally, been so wonderful to experience the Holy Spirit because I was on my back deck kind of one eye on a, on a puppy running around and another one feeling a little bit stressed out about having to write a sermon. And that word justice literally written off my pen and I really felt God say, 
lean in to justice. And so that's the little bit that I want to talk about God's love, is God's justice. And there's a long-used analogy throughout church history. When I say long, it's like not 100 years old or 200 years old, but it goes back to the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century. This analogy of when you think about God and think about God's love, you do well to consider a diamond or a jewel. And the fact that a jewel or a diamond, the most extraordinary ones, have tons and tons of facets. And so you can turn it, so it's the idea or the analogy is one jewel, but many facets. And so this is kind of my disclaimer, is justice is, is one of the most beautiful facets of God's love. And, and really, this idea of justice, it is the great message or the great hope of the Messiah. You know, generations, the generation after generation after generation was waiting for, they were hoping for, they were crying out for, for, God, for God's love and for God's justice to come. You know, I think back a few, few months ago about seeing some of the unfortunate things that I unfortunately happened to see on social media from people being so upset about the injustice of not being able to meet over lockdown and, and kind of likening it to the, um, and I won't go too far, and she's looking a little bit nervous, like, no, I won't go too far, it's Christmas, but, but seriously, know your church history. If you think what we've done has anything close to a, a domineering, controlling government, oh my goodness, look at Rome. Look, and look how the church flourished. Anyway, I'm done there. <laughs> but anyway, generation after generation after generation of people were longing for, holding out for justice. Because when God comes, when the Messiah comes, justice comes. And, and all that's wrong is be, it will be made right. And that's in our lives, but it's in our world, it's in creation. When the Messiah comes, when Emmanuel comes, the planet, the cosmos, is being made, will be made right. That's awesome. It's the great putting, putting to right of humanity and creation. As Angela read in Isaiah 9, chapter, excuse me, 9, verse 7, is he will rule with fairness and justice. You know, in, in so many ways, 2,000 2,000 years later, nothing much has changed as far as there is so much that needs to be put right in our world. There's so much injustice. People are treated so unfairly because the color of their skin or, or, the, um, or the language they speak. You know, there's pain and there's sickness, there's disease. People are victimized. It's the injustice of if you own one or two houses, you have more likely to buy house three, four, five, and six than if you don't own a house at all. How hard it is in our world. I'm getting very political for our <laughs> But that feels a lot like injustice to me, doesn't it? So it feels like not much has changed, and yet everything has changed. That change came in a dirty manger cave. 
another facet, a real, one of the facets of God's kingdom, of God's coming, of God's Messiah, of God's love, of His justice, is, is one of the facets is, it's really easy to overlook. And God's love and justice is often found in the most unexpected places. That was true then, and it's true today. God's justice came to earth in the most humble, vulnerable, seemingly weak way. God's justice was not through power, it was not through control, and it certainly wasn't through manipulation. It was through love. And things have never been the same since. You know, even, even after 2,020 years later, God's love isn't finished yet. God's love, God's justice, still has work to do today, right here, right now, in your life, in my life, in our community, in our world, in our environment. Awesome. God's love isn't finished yet. You know, if you're struggling with what has been an incredibly (coughs) difficult year, Hold on to the truth, to the justice that God's love isn't finished yet. It's going back to to Isaiah. The most hopeful words of all of Scripture is the nevertheless of God. You know, this this has happened. 2020 has happened. But nevertheless, God's love and God's justice isn't finished yet. Nevertheless, you've gone through a terrible sickness a terrible tragedy, a terrible relationship breakup, or whatever it is, but there is a nevertheless that God's love and God's justice isn't finished with you, and it isn't finished with that situation. Yeah, that's right. There is a but God coming. You know, all around the world, I think that's one of the reasons why I love Advent so much, is that here we are in Snell's Beach, um, in our in this community center, um, doing what we do. But all around the world, followers of Jesus, churches, whether they're small home groups or or in meeting together in, in amazing buildings, incredible cathedrals, there is this idea, this question of, of our people all over the world are looking at love. They're lighting that fourth candle and they're considering what love looks like. And the fact that They'll be doing it, looking at all of the different facets, the seemingly endless facets of what God's love looks like. And it, and it reminded me of a question, a question that we can often ask ourselves, or, or I'd love us to consider, is what does love look like? You know, I asked it earlier as far as the experience, and we had so many different answers. Um, and I'm just going to quote... Again, my favorite, one of my favorite theologians, which is St. Augustine, slash Gus. Um, no, I don't think anyone called him Gus, but anyway. Um, he's, uh, if you don't know, he's a 4th century um, theologian, philosopher, and he answers that question really beautifully. What does love look like? He says this, love has hands that help others. Love has feet that hasten to the poor and the needy. That means run. Love runs to the poor and 
and alleviate. Love has eyes to see the misery and the want. To see misery and want. Love has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men and women. That's what love looks like. That's what Emmanuel, God, with us, looks like. God comes to us with his hands outstretched yes. to help. Yes. His hands aren't clenched, ready to punish. They're open, ready to help. Yes. God's feet are feet like the Father. One of my favorite stories, or, or I guess pictures that Jesus told of what the Father looks like is, is the prodigal son or the running father. But that's what God's feet look like. They're, they're the feet of a father who runs to meet his son who's caused him so much pain, so much heartache, and before he could even open his mouth to explain himself, the feet of God has run to him already and grabbed hold of him and embraced him and, like someone said, transformed him and restored him back to the place like it never had happened before. Yes. Before he could even open his mouth, yeah. that's what the feet of God look like. Yeah. God has eyes, as Matthew 10 says, extraordinary. This is Jesus talking. God's eyes are, are so amazing that, that Jesus says that even if one sparrow is to fall, he knows about it. He goes on to say he, his eyes are eyes that even know the very number of the hairs on our head. Yeah. And for some of us, that's an ever-changing number, and he knows all of them. Yes. And his ears are turned toward humanity, to each and every one of us, to hear our cries, to hear our prayers. That's what Emmanuel looks like. You know, John 3 famously puts it this way. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, everyone can have a whole and lasting life. Mm. God didn't go to all that trouble for all that trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger of telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world to right again. You know, I think this, the, the idea of, of what we, we look at there is, you know, for many of us and know, you know, have heard of this idea of, or the, the theory, not the theory, excuse me, the, the, um, the idea of the, trinit the trinity, trinitarian thought, trinitarian belief, the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, three in one. One God, three faces is another way of, of putting it. Um, we have wrestled with this. Throughout, throughout the 2,000 years of the church, we have wrestled with this thought. I would humbly put it to you, if you are totally okay and have no questions or concerns or doubts or what about the Trinity, you aren't thinking about it enough. <laughs> because there is something extraordinary about the fact that, so when we see that, what God is saying is that God so loved the world that he sent himself to the world. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like yes. not someone else that he thinks that he loves. He yes. sends himself. It's the great hope, the great reality of, of Emmanuel, God with us, isn't just that God is with us. There's so much more than that. It is that God is with us, but when he's with us, he invites us to be with him. I love the idea of, of, one, of the, one of the most beautiful examples of the Trinity, as I talk about it, is the divine dance. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and this divine dance. And what Emmanuel is, is we are all invited into that dance. We are all invited to that banquet, to yes. that table, to yes. that celebration. Yes. That's good. It is pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> We're invited to his table. We are all given the great privilege, the great responsibility of, of not only accepting that invitation, but also being ones who invite others to the table. Yeah. Yeah. We get the privilege of going out into our world and, and letting know the world, letting the world know that they're invited into the most incredible story, the most incredible banquet, the most incredible dance, whatever you want to think about, the most incredible relationship that is not led by fear, that is not led by control, that has no manipulation, yeah. that isn't, isn't held together by power, but it's held together with love, yes. unconditional love. A love that can't be earned. Yes. I think what I love most about Augustine's quote of what, what love looks like is it gives us a way forward in how we love our neighbors, how we love those around us. That we can go through that list, that we can see our world, that we have eyes to see yes. the sorrow that's yes. around us. We have, we have the unbelievable privilege, but man, it can be a double-edged sword, of thinking because we live in this beautiful place, and it is extraordinary, that, that somehow we can fool ourselves into not seeing the hurt that's right under our nose. Let's have a love that sees it. That we have ears that, that hear the sighs of the people around us who, who have had a year like they never thought possible. So what I want to do, oh, what I want to do with the time we have remaining is something a little bit, a little bit um, arty and great, I need great um, visual aids, but you can judge later. But, um, <laughs> And if you don't like it, don't tell me, because at the end of the year, I'm um, a little bit vulnerable. No, 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 it's great. It really is really quite lovely. Um, as we've got a table over there, and maybe parents will need to sort of um, manage your kids. I know, it's such a drag. Yeah. Um, but, but there's a table over there filled with empty cups. And I would, I would love it if you would go up and and grab a cup, have a look, take a bit of time and see what cup 
feels like you. If you're not an artistic sort, just pretend, you know, like, oh, that's me, all right, you know, <laughs> just go with it. It's us, you know, so this creative types, um, humor and me. And then in, in the jar, the, the, the thought was, we're going to take our cup, and then we're going to move over, and we're going to accept the invitation to come to the Lord's table. And, and in the meantime, in that basket, there are some little ceramic beads. And as well as being creative, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, so know that I personally sterilize those beads. <laughs> so what I'd like you to do is grab the beads, if you want, one, two, whatever they are. And, and if you're here now feeling the weight of, of whatever, whether it's... Um, you know, relationships that are that are really challenging or or health issues or just the uncertainty or the, the heaviness of the year that's been. I want you to grab a bead or a couple of them, whatever, and put them in your cup. And then I want you to bring them over to the Advent wreath. And there's this, there's something in the center there. I want you to tip it out. Whatever that represents, take your time in doing it. We've got tons of time. And when you pour those things out as best you can, give them over to the Father. You know, leave it in His hands. And I know, like I know that that is, can be a minute-by-minute minute decision. I know that can be a day-by-day day decision. You think you've dropped the bead, and next minute you think, what's in my hand? Oh no, there's that bead again. You know, like, so remember it over and over again, and do this in your own time, in your own space. Um, but, but right here, right now, um, get your cup, pour that in, and then what we're going to do is Annette and myself are going to be over there, and we're going we're gonna to fill your empty cup with grape juice, but see it as Jesus filling you. The blood that was spent for you, that was poured out for you, the way that's been made for you, all that God did to be Emmanuel with you, all of the hope, all of the justice, all of the love, filling your cup up. And then we'll come back and, and take those elements together. So I think we've got some music going to come up.